Hi, I'm Andalisi. And I'm Chef James Regato, and this is Essential Cooking. In episode four, we talk with fishmonger Matthew Wiseman from Motor City Seafood. This New Zealand native landed in Detroit and raised the quality of seafood available in the Motor City starting in 2017. His worldwide connections and years of experience made for a fascinating conversation about the amazing fish we rarely eat and the honest truth about the fish we tend to eat a lot of. What's changed since you started doing this? What has the evolution been like, or maybe not evolution, over the last few years when it comes to fish, the access to it, and that whole world? A supply issue, especially at the moment, is very, very difficult. Uh, Freight issues are a problem. Uh, Airlines are a problem. But what's really happened over the last three years is that we're finding that uh, different, different fisheries are being closed down. For example, the sardine fishery off the West Coast was closed last year. Uh, certain species are becoming uh, unsustainable. There's, there's quite a few that we don't, don't touch on anymore. I think you're going to find a lot more is going to be going into to, uh, good farming practices. So we, we do quite a bit of farmed. The wild fisheries that we work with, the thing about us, I'll go back a little bit, is that we're all about sustainability. All the fish that we get apart from our salmon out of, out of uh, Alaska are all line caught. And it's called ekajima, where they're, where they're bled out, if you like. Uh, we use for salmon out of sockeye, kings, things like that. They're gill netting out of you know the Copper River or Yakutat or something like that. I think where the, the where the industry head, is heading is going to be more farm fish. Uh, the good thing is is that the practices are becoming a lot better than what they used to do even five, ten, fifteen, especially that far, that long ago. Um, but uh, but it, it's it's a difficult game because you got to it, it's all on logistics. You know, fresh fish is, you've really got, you really want to get it in-house within 48 hours. You know, otherwise it starts, you know, you know, tw- every 12 hours on fish makes a difference, you know. You know, keeping on t- tabs of that is pretty mind-boggling. I think at the end of the day is, you know, we've, we've managed to keep good relationships. It's a really, it's a tr- very trusting industry. You've got to trust people. We call it the three eyes, if you like. We've got to trust our suppliers to look at the fish before we get it. And then we quality control it when it comes in, and then we quality control it when it goes out. So if you can, you know, and you have to de- develop relationships with your suppliers with that. The future of fish, as I said, I think it's going to be more and more farmed. Uh, you, we work with with countries and uh, with sustainability, and there's unscrupulous people out there. So it's a lot of it's tracking and uh, and making sure you're getting sustainable fish and things like that. What's interesting about farmed fish is that it's a very mundane term for an incredibly vast system because not all farmed fish are created equal. Mm-hmm. Like you got tilapia, which is kind of like considered to be, I mean, the fish like that. I just, I don't touch, right? Most tilapia is like, you don't even sell tilapia, do you? I mean, maybe you do. No, I bought it in a couple of special times or in Quest, but practices have changed quite a wee bit. You know, they used to, they used to farm tilapia underneath striped bass, uh, hybrid striped bass. And of course you can imagine what's in the water there, but they have come a long way. I mean, James is right, but you know, at the end of the day, if you want to get your fish to market, you you got to, um, and command a good price for it. You you got to have good growing practices. Yeah. But look at like the, okay. The, the, the modern day tilapia. So my, my point is like tilapia for a long time was considered very frowned upon fish. It's rather dirty fish, right? Yes, it's totally gotten better. I, I, you know, I think because of transparency. But then you look at like you know, Atlantic farm raised salmon, where it's like the pellets are dyed and they're in these like they're just these steroid, you know, muscle fish in these small pens. And then that's why you can have a commodity price in every Costco and mm. Meyer and you know every store in the world. And you know you get because I see it a lot with home cooks or with people with cooking classes or people that, you know, the only fish they'll eat is salmon. 
And, I, and then I have to have a conversation where it's like, well, that's actually, I think that's one of the worst things you can be eating. You know, it's pretty much a, you know, it's a pellet fed, dyed, you know, muscle farm, fish. Farm fish is an interesting, farm salmon is an interesting point. Um, it is a commodity. So it goes up and down with supply, just like any any commodity. Um, but that's why we work with the the individual farms. You know, Lock do out out of Scotland. Uh, they use Kaplan for their food, which is uh, for their feed. Kaplan's a, a small fish that you get uh, tobacco from. So there's no human consumption. It's sustainable. It's as close as possible. So you're going to pay a little bit more of a premium price. But then you know you're dealing with a farm that's not using any drugs, any antibiotics, using good feed for it, uh, for the fish. They have fallow areas every year, so they don't so they don't pollute the environment that they're in. And yet, on the other end of the scale, you have the mass production, where you have antibiotics in the feed. You've got colorants in the feed to make the flesh look orange. It's dye. I mean, it's, it'll be gray. the fish will be gray if you know, it wasn't used, for this dye. They use chicken byproducts. You know, I'm not going to say where because people will be able to understand where from. But the chicken byproducts, which already have enough drugs in them, and they use that as feed for the for the for the fish, and it's really not a natural feed for them. So that's why you have to add colorants to them and things like that. But so. that's so like I mean, just to slow it because you know you're you got such a lovely accent, you go so fast sometimes. You're you're they're feeding the fish hormones and antibiotics, sure. and then they're feeding them mass-produced chicken scrap. Yep. which is already full of hormones and antibiotics. Correct. This isn't organic chicken that they're feeding them. It's obviously from the large producers in the States. The, not, not so much in the States because there aren't really any large producers in the States. You know, it's places where we just don't buy salmon from. It's uh, just purely because of those reasons. Right. You know. So, and that's the, that's the salmon you're finding that's available internationally. Most, I mean, mostly on the Western Hemisphere. But like, chain, you know, if you go to the certain chain restaurants that have them on their menu, $12 blackened salmon salad yeah you know that's not well you know why it's blackened <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that's well know, that's right it's it's mass produced it's a commodity you know a, a lot of the a lot of the chains these days are, aren't run by chefs they they used to be when they first started it's more to do with accountants looking at the bottom line but what's the brilliant um, the brilliant marketing move that i see is like the salmon physically looks good in a package right in a styrofoam mm. package with plastic on top it's bright orange it's pretty low scent you know, it's it's just it looks to the eye of the average home cook. Oh, that looks that looks looks, pl- good. That looks, that looks nice. That's it's a nice looking yeah. piece of fish. That's and that's right. the, the the sad part, the genius salmon. The wild stuff. What people don't understand is it's a, for one, it's a very short season. Right. Right. So wild is another word that I think it's used well uh, wrongfully often because wild is wild. You know, you can't say wild if it's not. That, a wild fish. Well, that's that's very true. You know, if it's farmed, it's farmed. If it's wild, it's wild. But they also but people, the, people use it as an adjective, though. Like you know, oh, it's wild salmon. Like you see that. Like prime is another one in the beef industry. People will say this is prime, right? Because prime rib is a term, but USDA prime is is a is a category. It's a classification, right? Fish has so many lies and like mysterious. Not you, but on the cons- <laughs> on look, the there's unscrupulous the people end. in any industry, and and there is. You know, well, okay. I mean. What's um, white tuna? I think you know. Yeah, I mean, there is. There is, is there a white there, tuna? Matt? There is no such thing. You <laughs> no. know, um, but there, there's uh, there's ivory salmon though. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> you know, which is great. So, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there's unscrupulous people. The the seasons season for wild runs from basically from uh, April through to, through to November. Goes through the season where you start with the kings, the sockeyes, and then cohos, and that's how it runs. But there is a, there is a, I think for a lot of people, um, the wild salmon, which is to me a lot better fish, and it's all natural, 
Oh, as natural as can be without any pollutants being in the ocean these days. But a lot of people aren't accustomed to the to the flavor of it because it's it actually has a really rich flavor to it. It's own distinctive flavor. You can tell the difference between a king, a coho, and a sockeye. Whereas farmed Atlantic, it's basically you can pick one from the other one if it's commodity based and if it's a private grown farm, it actually has its own different flavor and texture. So salmon across the board are the the, the different species, wild, you'll know it, but a lot of people aren't accustomed to it so there's not as there is a lot of demand but but the, the majority of the demand is, is a cheaper product yeah. that people are accustomed to where it's pretty blase tasting and it just looks really good on on you know on the plate okay so how does a person who cooks at home Oof, good luck w- wants to get high quality fish or salmon whatever i mean after hearing all this it seems like it's an intense. exercise in futility like it where is. are you going to go to get it um, and how do you know what you're getting? I mean, it, what, well, what kind of regulation well, is there really on the fish that we go to buy? Labeling is an issue. Um, there's a lot of false labeling. There's a lot of false names for fish. I don't know how you can come across a West Coast Dover sole, for example, when Dover sole only comes from yeah. this Dover straight over in England, right? The English, Dover, the English, the English, <laughs> the English Channel, should I say. Um, so, but look, I mean, you've already got a... Um, it all comes down to a trust issue, and it, it always comes back to a trust issue with, with fish. Ourselves, we supply plum markets, and they're very good. They have a very good selection of fish. We're about to start getting into e-commerce, and we're about to do uh, public selling to the public, so we're just setting that up as well, and we'd like to think that people would, would support us because we'd be able to supply them with some really, really good quality fish that's fresh. That's different varieties as well. I think a lot of the chefs in town, a lot of the restaurants uh, they're, they're, are very, very good. There's some really good chefs out there who, who you can trust. You know, James is one of them. You know, Andy's another one. Doug's another one. You know, Thomas Lance. You know, all these people out there, uh, Eric at, at Joe Muir, they, they're, they're seafood fanatics. Well, they're food fanatics, so they want to make sure that they get the best for their customers. So in some ways, you know, you can trust a, a supermarket chain, uh, which is plum markets, then you can trust the, the, the chefs that, that are putting on the, paper, on the plates in some of these restaurants that you can trust them as well. And then, but it's pretty difficult to get very high-quality fish uh, to the public uh, without being a specialized uh, supermarket uh, or a high-end retail like, like plum market or something. So that's what we're looking to do is bring that opportunity to the to the public here. I oh, think sure. though, the, it's what, called public service. Is what that is. Yeah, I love it. The missing, the missing link for me though is that the average home cook needs to go to the market without a certain fish in mind. For one, because mm. like you know, the yeah. plum market does does a great job, but if you go there thinking oh, I want wild salmon today, you know you might be disappointed. And then you also need to have you know the actual cooking skills to back up what kind of fish you're purchasing. Because if you if you go to the market thinking like oh, I want to get a snapper and you see fresh you know, wild caught sardines, you better shift gears and make sardines for dinner because that's a hard find right. and they're so delicious. And and if they're fresh and smell great, you know they're good to go because sardines yeah. have a short shelf life. That being said, and we're talking about people cooking for themselves more this year than, than ever before. Uh-huh. Okay, fish is an easy thing to screw up. Oh, yeah. If you had to, and we're talking about you as a chef, people are like, okay, I see this fish and I want to go cook it. What are some of the basic things Yeah that people can do to make sure that they, they spend this money to get some a high quality piece of fish, what they're, which they're going to get from Matt. What are the things that you would say, okay, do this, don't do this? Well, 
if I could just say something before yeah. James, I think the reason people find it difficult to cook is because they're unfamiliar with it. it. Fish actually in itself is really easy to cook. I mean, you know, you just saute one side, it sort of cooks through, you know, halfway. Of course, you're supposed to cook through fish through thoroughly by law, um, just in case there's any uh, parasites in there. And then you just turn it off on the other side. So a lot of, you know, when we supply plum markets, for example, we send them as thin as fillets as possible so people can, can cook without getting confused. So, and if it's a thicker piece of, of fish, say a Chilean sea bass or something like that, I mean, you, you, again, you, it's just like a steak. You know, you'd, sort of, you'd pan sear one side, pan sear the other side, stick it inside the oven for 10 minutes, pull it out, and it's good to go. And that's really how simple fish is, you know. Um, different applications you can do. You can use, you know, whole fish. You, you can do skin on. You can do fillet skin off. The, that's a bit of an art form, filleting is. So, I mean, you know, if you go to the supermarkets and, and uh, where they do have whole fish, um, you know, you can also get fillets. But it's really, really not that difficult. Just a little bit of seasoning, sautéing either side. If it's a little bit thicker, stick it in the, uh, in the oven. And if not, yeah. I mean, really... A, a one-inch fillet of fish, it, it, you'd only really need to cook, you know, three, four minutes on either side, and it's good to go. I think what most people are unfamiliar with, too, is how much, how edible and delicious fish skin is. Mm. Like a lot of fish skin. Okay, you know, mackerel, not so much, but, like, snapper, you know, striped bass, bronzino, salmon, all those skins are incredibly delicious to cook. And usually, yeah, if you cook it skin side down, and, you know, till it crisps up and renders like bacon. Yeah. And then, yeah, flip it over, put it in the oven for a second, and you're good to go. Unless yeah. it's a thinner fish like Bronzino, you, you can just cook it all in the pan. But I also recommend, there's a book, uh, The Whole Fish Cookbook by Josh Nyland, who, is, uh, who came out of Australia, right? Is he Correct, in, yeah. yeah. He's not a New Zealand he, guy. I no. Know, I know you want to claim him. He wants to be a Kiwi. We said, hey, mate, just get a few <laughs> more accolades, and then you can join the crew. But Josh Nyland, is, he's a young chef out of Australia, and he really, I mean, he wrote the book. Like, the, the, like this is... The, Rarely, maybe once every 10 years, does somebody write a cookbook that every chef in the world buys, and this is one of them. He really does a great job. He also dry ages fish, which is like a whole different podcast. But that's a great book on how to properly fillet, how to properly cook, butcher, whether you want to do a salmon steak or, you know, it's, it's a really basic and, and great cookbook for the home cooks. The Whole Fish Cookbook by Josh Nyland is what I recommend if you're getting serious about cooking fish. But like every, everything Matt just said is very valuable if you're just like, Want to make fish once in a while, you know. I also think in the sautéing is where some, you know, believe it or not, most home cooks get scared of that. You right. Know, sautéing and it's like I think some of these fish you can literally put on a, on a sheet tray, a little bit of olive oil, salt, pepper, some fresh herbs, and bake it. Pull it out, squeeze a lemon, and that's all you need. Mm. You know, get some nice olive oil, get some nice citrus, and yeah. and the proper amount of salt. I'll, I, if somebody make, if you give me a nice piece of fish. I'll eat that method every time. Mm. You know, just simple bake, salt, pepper, lemon, a little fresh herbs. Yeah, same here. Every time. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. So less is best and don't overcook it. Especially yeah, if you're for new. Sure. And you should be in good shape. Yeah, less is more, I think. Is yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly Especially right. Especially if you're new good. to cooking that fish. Once you get familiar with it, yeah, then go to town and get crazy. Yeah. But right. like, if you're trying out a new fish, because it's not cheap, right. and you take it home with $25 filet, take it easy, try to bake it, and, and start, start simple. Yeah. So Matt, during uh, COVID, the whole world has changed, and I'm sure your industry changed as well. Mm -hmm. um, and James and I talked a little bit about um, is Mother Nature uh, having a chance to sort of refortify in certain ways, or is that not happening? Are there certain fish that were overfished that are not now? His, uh, this year, particularly 2020, what's been the changes that you've seen, if any? I think there's going to be some... Uh 
I'm Ann DeLisi. I'm Rob Reinhardt. And we're about to bring back the perfect opportunity to honor your favorite pet and support WDET. During our spring fundraiser, Ann and I will combine our shows so you can honor your dog. Or your cat. Or your dog. And WDET with a gift of support. We're looking forward to hearing about your pets, no matter what kind of cat that is. Cats and dogs and any other pet you may have will be part of our fundraiser. And if you can't wait till the weekend, make your gift now at WDET.org slash give. Or call 800-959-9338. Uh, species that will, because of the, the lockdown and COVID, that, that are going to come back a, a little bit more, uh, rejuvenate a little bit more. The East Coast, uh, you know, demand is down. You know, talking to all our suppliers, the prices are down. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't make sense for the fishermen to go out. I mean, striped bass at the moment, just they weren't even fishing this week for striped bass because the prices were so low. They were 30% of what the prices were this time last year. So for the fishermen, it's not really worth to go out. So does that mean that in certain areas that uh, you're going to have um, a comeback of, of those certain species? You probably will because the demand's down. So Matt, let me ask you, I want to ask you, like, uh, what fish won't you eat? I don't eat tilapia. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, okay. <laughs> uh, Is that I'll, it? I, I, won't eat, I won't eat a lot of farm salmon Yeah. Uh, just because I know what they eat. Yeah, but um, what about Loch Duart? What about the nice farms you in? Oh, I'll eat Loch Duart. Yeah. I'll eat West, West of Ross, you know, the Faroe Islands yeah. that comes out of there. Right. Um, it's they're good practices. Uh, certain countries I just won't because I know what their practices are. I don't like bottom-dwelling fish in farm fish. So there would be tilapia is one of them, although some of those practices have changed. But there isn't really much fish that I that I won't eat. Some of them have more parasites than others, so you've got to be a little bit more cautious. That's one thing that I feel like every chef knows and we just try to not talk about because people as customers don't totally understand. Yeah. But you got to look at it like, you know, a beetle on a head of lettuce. It's really what it is. So like cod is very famous for parasites, right? right. So like in a parasite is like a it's, it's basically a little clear or white worm, very thin, very small, and it's it, you can honestly you can cook them and eat them. They're benign. They're not going to harm you. And every chef I know picks every worm out as they receive it. Right. But like there's like a lot of people you know, like home cooks, if they catch one from the grocery store, they take it back to the grocery store and they freak out and they yell and they, they cause a scene. Yeah. Take a picture, put it on Twitter, lose their minds. Fish are, I mean, this, this is just a natural part of the ocean world is that if you catch a fish, it's going to have some kind of parasite. That's not bad, wrong, evil, you know, like tainted. Too many consumers that are freaked out when they see a blemish. You know, that, 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 that's true. I mean, and as you said, there, there is one particular worm that, that, that is, that can cause problems, but it's very rare. And, uh, but I mean, you could just cook them and cook them through as James was saying this, there's, there's no, all it is is that you'll see it, but then it, it'll, it'll get cooked through just so people know as well, you know, you should be cooking your fish through anyway, you know, um, just in case, because of, because of parasites, the farms generally inoculate their fish when they're young. So sometimes when you see a, a darker spot, around the chest cavity of, of salmon, that means that it's like a child when they've been, you know, inoculated or had their shots for polio or something like that, you know. So that eradicates any um, uh, farm salmon, a lot of farm fish don't have parasites. So it's in a different species, it's in a different circumstance as wild fish. Wild fish, you've always got to prepare for parasites, but they can be cooked through and they're, they're, they're not harmful to you. Some species more so than others, as James was just saying. But I don't want to turn people off from eating different fish just because they think, oh, well, that might have a heavier. No, what I'm trying to do parasite. is normalize it, though. As yeah. a chef, you know, I cook the world of the ocean, everything that you know that that I can that's that's sustainable. But too many people are, I think, um, they want to see things, you know, sterile, 
bleachy clean. And like, yeah. that's just not the case. Like even in the oyster, I love oysters. I eat and serve tons of them. But you pop open an oyster, you find that little tiny crab in there. Oh, I love it. That's yeah, me too. Yeah, and it's that, an extra. Yeah, oh, you, can eat those, you can eat those raw too. Yeah, they're crunchy. No, you can't. You absolutely can't eat those little. But like people look at that as like something's wrong. This is a parasite. That's true. And like, sure, but technically that thing went in there and isn't supposed to be in there or the oyster was eating it. Yeah. But that's, that doesn't mean that the oyster is bad or that oysters are bad. You know, you, you, this is just a natural part of the ecosystem yeah, of the ocean. It's very true. And I think that started back when you're looking at produce. You know, years and years ago, you know, you, you know we used to go picking for uh, strawberries and make strawberry jam with my mother. And, of course, you know, they weren't perfect. You know, there were blemishes on them. It was the same with every fruit. Nowadays, there's, there's so yeah. many uh, pesticides and, and, and uh, anti-parasite drugs and things like that. They try and make everything perfect. So it's, it's, it's like anything in life. Aesthetic. It has to be aesthetic. Yeah. You know, in the old days, you know, produce used to have, you know, little wormholes in the apples. You know, there'd be little bruises. They wouldn't yeah. be they wouldn't be perfectly symmetrical around. You know, it'd be sort of dimpled here and there, but they've eradicated those problems. And I think people have become so accustomed to seeing everything aesthetically uh, beautiful that when they see a blemish like that, when they see, you know, something to do with meat as well, with any with any product they automatically think, oh, there might be something wrong with that. And I think that's just been a, a progression of uh, evolution of the way that humans have been thinking from like the 40s, 50s, up until where it is now. Yeah, there's a difference between something that's flawed and something that's part of its ecosystem. Oh, for sure. And so it's important to realize that if you, ca- like if you catch a fish, like right now in the Great Lakes, let's use that as an example. Right. Lake trout has lamprey scars almost every time. Right. When I pull, when I, even when you just go catch one, you know, a, a hook and line hanging out with friends, you pull in a trout, you're going to see a lamprey scar. And that's like a little circular wound. Right. And like, but that fish is perfectly fine. And if anything, it's a reflection of like, we need to take care of our waters because lampreys shouldn't be in there. Right. But it doesn't mean that the fish is tainted. So no, I think it's important to like know the difference between like what is dangerous and what is just part of an, of an ecosystem. Right. And these are all important parts too, because it is an ecosystem. You know, it's like anything it, it, evolution has provided, you know, these, these parasites and these fish and hosts and whatever, to live in harmony, you know, so they can survive. And that's basically what it is. So that's it's it's just part of the, the, the food chain. So if you find a small little worm in your monkfish that you buy from the grocery store, don't take it back. It's not flawed. No, there's no need to take it back. Like just, you should just get tweezers you know, and you know get some tweezers, yeah. pull it out or yeah. just or just cook through it. It'll yeah. be fine. You won't yeah. you won't nothing you won't come to harm, you know what I mean? It's not it's not it's that, not that bad. It might not look reality, that good. But. That's the reality of the fish world though. I think yeah. that pe- people like, you know, it's not a bleachy clean. If you've been in the ocean pretty wild you know good like it's a it's a gnarly you know entity on planet earth you yeah. shouldn't expect things to come out there looking bleachy clean what's overfish that people should avoid what do you think of the top like do not eat because you know restaurants are going to serve whatever they want but like what do you recommend consumers stay away from for sustainability uh from sustainability yeah uh bluefin tuna you know spanish mackerel off the east coast we don't do that um stone crabs we don't do anymore um you know we found out that that it's it's really affecting the dolphin population for stone example, crab down there. So, so you crab. know, I mean, obviously we're not doing that anymore. You're we're aware not. stone crab is like there's restaurant concepts. That uh, I, I know it's around. I, I know it's ridiculous. It's not sustainable. You know, it's what's just happening not, to dolphins? Uh, well, it's the, they eat them. So basically, it's affecting them. But also, what I just found out just recently, it used to be they used to only take one claw. I just found out recently that they're now taking two claws. Real? Oh, because yeah. the one claw grows back. That's yeah. the whole idea. So, yeah, exactly. So how are you going to eat if you've got one of your hands, if you've got both your arms? It's legal to take both claws now? Yeah. It has been for a little bit of a period. That's, that's just what I heard recently, that that's what's been happening. So they've been dying out. And all of a sudden on Monterey Bay, this year it went from a 
went, I think it went from a yellow or green last year or the year before into this high vision red, like ding, 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 stay away. So you can have 12, 15 different countries that are all fishing in one, in, in one pot, so they can't control the sustainability of it. So there's quite a few species out of the Gulf and out of the Caribbean that we just won't touch because it's just overfished because yeah. there's no controls. Off the coast of Africa, when you have these big trawling ships and things like that that are basically just destroying the, the environment and, uh, and, and the fisheries there, they're, what they're doing is that they're, they're catching fish in nets, they're keeping what they want, right, the specific species that they want, and then they just throw the rest back in the sea, whether they're dead or maimed or whatever. So you're just getting you know, anywhere up to 80 90% of waste. And that's what happens. Whereas if you look at a, a, a New Zealand with a uh, managed quota, uh, quota system, you're only allowed a certain amount of, uh, of catch. And if in that, if, so if you're going for New Zealand snapper, for example, you know, you're allowed 1,000 ton. If you only catch 600 ton and the other 400 is bycatch, you have to count that 400 ton bycatch towards New Zealand snapper quota for that particular boat. So you have no wasted fish. And if tough luck, you know, if you happen to hit a school of blue nose or Alfonsino or Kinmadai, the name for it, um, then that's that's just the way it is. You yeah. know, I mean, that's your that's your catch. There's not nothing thrown back in the sea. But New Zealand obviously has a community and a culture around fish that mm -hmm. they have a market for those bycatch. Whereas here, you know, if you if you have that same rule and regulation, you know, and people are trying to you know make all of a sudden you know Applebee's serve sardines, I think you'd have a problem. You know. Yeah, yeah, you would, but I think you know a lot of people. A lot of that bycatch is, is really good fish. Oh, I, I totally mean, agree. There's nothing wrong I with it. That I understand we, what you mean. We yeah, need to we need to kind of change. We need to change internally as a people and as a, as a consumer before we expect you know the government to regulate quotas and, and fishing boats. Right. What you do as a consumer shopping in a grocery store really matters. I think that's a long winded. Point. Oh, it does. Is that like us as a consumer like? Putting down the the Atlantic farm raised cheap commodity fish and looking for something more sustainable and maybe less of it is a is the is how somebody can help at home right now today. Right, and that's true. And I think you know traceability comes into that as well. I mean, if you can trace everything back to the source um, and know that it's good good product, which generally the majority are, it might be a little bit different. But uh, you know you can trust through that process, and, and you can expand what, what you're going to be buying at the supermarket and try something new. You know it's that's part of the business as well. Yeah. You know with wild catch, I don't know how many times I've had to phone people up and say, hey, look, they just didn't catch that fish this week. Well, I've got it on the menu, and it's like, and well, you know, I sort of suggested to you not to put it on the menu because <laughs> this is a wild catch. You know, um, so you have those those issues, and it should be like in the supermarket as well. When people yeah. go out and buy fish, they they should they should they should ask where it's from. Have you got any suggestions? Is there something I'm always buying salmon? Is there something else I can try? You know, I'm always yeah. buying Chilean sea bass. You know, I'm always doing this. What about something else that is, that's exciting? You know, once again, you trust those people. They'll give you a good idea of what to do and, and just try something new. You know, I mean, that's 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 part of the education of it as well. I think, too, um, one note to make is like oysters, mussels, clams. These are much uh, more sustainable fishing practices than like, let's say, you know, raising whole salmon. Right. You know, oyster farms can produce an incredible amount of oysters and it's pretty affordable to operate. It's pretty, I mean, oysters, the more oysters in the ocean, the better off we are. I mean, they're, right. they're literally the filters, filters of the water. I mean, yeah. you and I know Matt and I were out in Island Creek last year and I took a full tour and had an incredible time. And that's really what the, you know, they, the oyster farmers that I've talked to actually say that they argue that oysters are vegan, which is kind of funny because they say they're trees. 
They literally have you know growth rings like like trunks of trees, and they filter out the water. They said so they act more like a tree than they do like a fish. So they try to you know they jokingly argue that it's vegan. I mean, obviously, I'm not, right. not going to go down that path, <laughs> but. You know, or, like so, like buying, eating, and 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 supporting more oyster farms and mussels and 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 clams do similar jobs. That's a way to introduce more seafood into your diet, help the environment, and lower the cost. I mean, mussels, right. you know, three dollars a pound. I mean, four dollars a pound. Some of these grocery stores, like, is you know, that's it's, super sustainable versus trying right. to chase down wild fish. Right, and that's very true. And the, what the, the smart cookies now, what they're doing is they're they're uh, growing on strings underneath some of these farms, oysters, yeah. fil- filter feeders. Yeah. No oysters and mussels to actually eat all, all the excess food that's coming from the fish that they're, they're growing above them. There's some some places doing that at the moment up in Canada and some other areas of the world and things like that. Yeah. So it's like it's uh, it's biologically good. You know, it's 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 basically the the full circle of what it was. Although you know, you're going to have more. Oh, man's got his hands in it, so it's different. But yeah, it's it's different, but it's still it's still ecologically good because you can there therefore you can grow in a certain area your your farm your your farm fish on top, and then all the the, the extra food even dare I say it, but it, the filter feeders they eat anything, so there's going to be the waste waste. So they're going to eat all the waste. They're going to filter out, so it's really good for the ecosystem. You don't get all that pollution that's coming from from the fish that's getting filtered out by. By the by, the filter fish. Well, they say what is it? An oyster can filter is it a fifty gallons a day? What's the number? It's like a crazy number, isn't what, it? Sorry, what, what was o- that? a single oyster? How much water they can filter a day? Oh, crikey! I know what it is, but I can't remember. I can't off the top yeah, of it's my like, hand. It's, it's a crazy it's an enormous amount. They, they enormous know, amount. And you mentioned. Oh, I tell you something interesting though. When when oysters are a big supply, are, are are we're a big staple here. That's why. Down in Virginia, Chesapeake, that's where the first settlers sort of congregated when they first came here, because the only food that they could eat were oysters. Were oysters. Now, there's something interesting about that. I read, read, I was reading about the oysters and how it sustained the population there. They're just eating oysters. There were so many oysters in there that it filtered out the, the Chesapeake Bay something twice a day. Something like it, it was some ridiculous it number. It completely filtered the entire water body. Uh, uh, Every day it was like a brand new, brand new system yeah. of filtered water coming wow. in and out. Yeah, it was incredible to think, and that place was littered with them. I mean, yeah. they were everywhere. And so that bite. would have been one That's stage incredible. would have been extremely, extremely clean because it would have just been getting filtered by the oysters. Okay, uh, one final question, and this is actually for both of you: a fish that people might not know about that you think they should know about. That's incredible. Mediterranean sea bream, yeah. known as orata in, uh, in Italian or, or dorad by French. Uh, Gilt head bream is the Anglo-Saxon term for it. It's uh, it's a great, it's wild out of the, the, the farm. We got ours farm, but it's from the Mediterranean. That's where it's wild from. And it's a beautiful fish. It's the most underrated fish of them all. And you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's like, that's, that was my answer. So the sea bream is... Oh, good, uh, you got to find out another one then. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I, 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 will, I will say, so... The farm race for sure. The sea bream, I think, is the is because it's also a crudo fish too. You can eat it raw. You can, and uh, it's a fantastic. Although thing. by law you got to cook it or freeze it yeah, first, know, just so man. people know. <laughs> but the skin is is really one of the best parts of that fish because I mean we cook it on the flat top at the restaurant, and I mean it's it's better than crispy chicken skin. It's, it's the best. It's, it's the it's some of the best fish skin out there. Um, but I will say the Elfensina, the, the the large golden eyed snapper out of uh, New Zealand, is some of the best fish I've ever um, ever worked with. And it's hard to get, but when you if you ever see the large golden-eyed snapper, aka the Alphonsina, um, that to me is the is the finest fish out there. Okay, Matt, and we have three fun questions for you. Far away. Okay, love them. Um, what is always in your refrigerator? One thing you always have to have in your refrigerator. <laughs> 
2% milk. (laughs) (laughs) It is not what I was expecting, I gotta say. (laughs) For my coffee. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Did you want something else? That's perfect. Okay, if you had to eat at a fast food restaurant, which one would it be? Uh, (laughs) Can I tell you, don't eat at fast food restaurants? We know know you know. The question's good. If you had to, let's say you're in Wendy's. The Wendy's. Wendy's. Oh, no, no. Okay, Wendy's because they have fresh burgers. Mm-hmm. But i got to be honest with you as well. The filet fish that McDonald's do <laughs> is that they actually, the factory, when they catch them, they actually pour them on the boat and, and uh, freeze them right away. There's no additives, no artificial flavors, no nothing. That's actually done on the boat. So the filet fish is actually for McDonald's. I won't eat any other McDonald's. But the flow of fish is actually quite good. Hey, that's good to know. How about that? that? And who's your favorite musician? Favorite band? Favorite. Artist? Bad Brains. Bad Brains, perfect. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>